Tonight we're going to talk about gratitude. Um, it's such a big topic, so I, I don't know how much justice we can do in, in one hour or in like half an hour or 45 minutes of, of discussing the idea deeply and then going into a meditation. Welcome also to the new people. There's a lot of new people here tonight, so welcome. Um, it's really nice to have you and uh, some great girls that come. I was thinking, like, someone even said tonight we should cancel because like it's Columbia Day, everyone's off. Columbus. Columbus Columbus, oh, sorry, Columbus Day. Should not be Australian. Uh, like, who cares? Um, and, um, and I was like, okay, it's public holiday. We'll have a few girls maybe, but it's really nice to see everyone show up. A lot of people showed up. Okay. Um, there's a revolution going on about this pursuit of happiness, right? People want to be happy. They want to learn about how to be happy. The most popular class given at Harvard was Harald and Shakar on positive psychology, filled up with like 855 people, streamed in. It was bigger than like the, the, the economics class 101 that they usually was the, the most busy, uh, most packed class. And there's this like drive to understand how to be happy. It's a huge, right? I can't even tell you how many books if you Google, um, you know, happy in the title, it sells. And um, the question is why? So the U.S. rates of depression are 10 times higher, at least 10 times higher now than they were just in the 1960s, not that long ago. And um, the onset for, say, depression is 14 and a half, whereas it used to be nearly 30. So depression is going down, like starting younger and younger. So like something's going on in society where we've forgotten how to be happy. We've forgotten how to be happy and how to get back to that baseline of happiness, right, in ourselves. So in the 1960s, a lot of people said that the reason for the depression was a lack of wealth. But now we see that can't possibly be true because the GNP has gone up so much per person and people are getting more and more depressed. So it doesn't, we're the wealthiest we've ever been now as an individual level, right? And, and we're, still, we're getting more and more depressed, so it can't be wealth. And if there's a study that, I'm getting a lot of this from a book, actually, it's, one of my, it's a fantastic book called Thanks. And it's by Robert A. Emmons. And he's got an incredible, he, he just brings together incredible studies that were done and research that was found about happiness and gratitude and, and different, different aspects of, of all these things as well as statistics and research. And um, they found that people who put aside one to two minutes per day, just one to two minutes per day to, to show gratitude or to reflect on gratitude or especially to show gratitude, Showed much significantly higher levels of well-being, optimism, happiness, right, balance. Yeah. What's the difference between showing and reflecting gratitude? Um, I, I think if I had to, if I, this is my, just my opinion, I think showing would be like um, demonstrating it externally, or as reflecting it might be just feel it internally. I don't know. That's what I would think. Um, okay. So what is gratitude? If you have to give it like an actual what definition, what is it? Appreciation for what is. Appreciation for what is good. Okay, like, I like that. I like it's like a thank you. I don't know. Like, <coughs> I don't know. I think of gratitude. I think you're like saying, oh, like I'm thanking someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanking comes out of gratitude. I would. I was. I, if I had to phrase it like the order, I would say thanking is like the result of gratitude. Yeah. Right? Like it comes out of gratitude. Mm -hmm. You can't say thank you without gratitude. You're right. So they go together. They're intrinsically linked. Yeah? Like feeling lucky for having something that like you could have not had. Right. Feeling blessed, feeling lucky, feeling, yep, that you have something that you may not have had. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Like feeling full for where you are in the mm. moment. Full. I like these. I love, I love all these terms. Full, happy for something you might not have had. 
recognizing, appreciating what is. Very good. Okay, so in the Hebrew, when we look into what does Hebrew say about it, and we look at the word for gratitude in Hebrew is hakaras hatov, right? Hakaras hatov, <coughs> which means recognition of the good. So when you break down, like break down itself into the Hebrew letters, when we want to understand the Jewish perspective on something in any, in any concept, we go into the Hebrew letters, into the Hebrew word of that thing, and we look at the roots of the Hebrew word, right? So for example, my favorite one is a kelev. Kelev in Hebrew means? A dog. But you're, you're advanced. She's Israeli. You can't do that. You can't just, she just jumps into the answer, right? No. Kelev is a? Right, dog. That's the word. Is that correct? No, but I, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm not so nice, Natalie's first time. Um, yeah. So, so Kelev is a dog, and then we look into the dog's root of the word. It's Kelev, which means as, as a heart, like, a, like heart. a heart, which is so cute because a dog's essence is that they're like a heart. They're loyal. They love you unconditionally. That is the essence of a dog. So it's beautiful that in the Hebrew language we see, well, there's another Israeli over there too. Oh my gosh, I've got to watch myself. Um, like this, Hadaya's uh, first night also tonight. She's also, two people, first night from Israel. I've got to watch my Hebrew. Like, I'm not so good at Hebrew. Um, yeah, I know. Now I'm nervous. You got me on like. <laughs> so, um, but the Hebrew language is so beautiful because it reflects the essence of the thing itself, right? So if you want to understand the Jewish perspective, we can look, one of the ways we do it is we look into the root of the Hebrew letters. And the other way we do it is look into the first time it's mentioned in the Torah. The first time something's mentioned in the Torah gives you the definition of the essence of that thing, if you want to understand the Jewish perspective of something. Right? So we look at Adam. Well, obviously, when we look at humans, we look into when Adam and Chava and all of that. Right? Okay. So, step one, gratitude is recognizing the good. I have to be able to recognize the good. Right? And often what happens now is we, unfortunately, we live in a world where we are, we let our happen, happiness be externally defined. What is that? What do I mean? When I get the promotion, then I'm going to be happy. Yeah. When I get a new boyfriend, then I'm going to be happy. When I get whatever it is, you insert your thing, right? Then I'm going to be happy. Or when I get that job, when I get that, that those friends, when I go out to that concert, when, whatever it is, when I get that thing that's external to me, then I'm going to be happy. And we really, really believe that. We really do. Even if we say we don't, we really act that way. Yeah? We really generally act that way. And when gratitude is a habit, when I started just, just flexing this muscle called gratitude, where I practice every day being grateful, recognizing the good of what I have already, feeling full, right? appreciating what is. When I start flexing, it's like a gym. I'm working out, spiritually working out. And I just practice a couple minutes a day of that gratitude. So now no longer do I have to de depend on the external thing to define me. I start generating it internally, right? And the shift comes from rather than being externally defined, I become internally defined. And that is liberating because you're no longer waiting for that external thing to make you happy, <coughs> right? Internal self-definition self is, is a core, core foundational principle in Judaism, right? It is, it is the essence of a human being is to define yourself from within, not from without, yeah? And when I, when I do that, I then that's when I become a human being. Until that point, I'm just like a, a, like a, a rag just blowing around in the wind. Whatever, whatever is happening on the outside defines me on the inside. If someone approves of me, then I feel good. If someone rejects me, then I feel bad, right? And I just end up getting buffered around and I give my power away. I heard an amazing, amazing idea over the holidays. I was at my rabbi's house in Philadelphia, Rav Kamenetsky, and 
totally unrelated to this conversation, but obviously on some level it is. I asked him about um, eye and horror. Have you heard of eye and horror? The the evil eye, the negative eye. When someone looks at you, there's an idea, I don't want to freak you out, but there's an idea in Judaism, if you haven't heard it before, that when other people looking at you negatively can actually affect you, right? There's an eye and horror. I mean, someone puts a negative, I don't want to say curse, energy energy is, is a better word. Yeah, energy on you. And it can actually affect your life, right? Which is, we're, we're powerful machines. Humans are much more powerful than we realize. So I asked him, like, come on, how's that true? There's another idea in Torah that says, no, iron horrors only, only exist to the level that you allow it to exist for you. So it's up to you how you respond. And I said, what does that mean? We know the power of intention is powerful. The pa- intention's powerful. We know that. We get the power of intention, manifesting, right? The law of attraction, all of this stuff. So how can someone else's intention or whatever really affect me? So he said the most powerful thing. He says, when you look at something, I can look at this cup of water. Either I see like simply, a, this is a cup and it holds water. That's what this is. It's, it's just made for that purpose only. It holds water. If it doesn't hold water, it's broken. That's it. So I see it in a very narrow way. It's just, a, I see this, I've assumed it's a cup. It's a cup. And um, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right? That's it. It's good. It's bad. It's doing its thing or not doing its thing. Or I can see this cup as, a, as an object of plastic. And I can imagine all the things that went into making this plastic and the company and all the employees and how what went into it to make the plastic. And this plastic now is in a form that actually could hold water, which is amazing. This plastic we know is made for a million other things. Your plates are plastic. Everything's plastic. The actual plastic doesn't have to be a cup. Happens to be in cup form. But if I don't use it as a cup, I could use it as a paperweight. Right? I could use it as all sorts of other possible things. Have you ever seen kids play with cups? You, you know, we think we need to buy them fancy toys. You give them a cup, they're happy for hours, right? So it could be a toy, it could be all sorts of things. So he said, when we choose to see anything in life, we can choose to see it narrowly, right? Which is ra. Ra actually means like narrow, right? In a way, I mean, it's evil, but yeah, a, a narrow way, or I could see it in an expansive way, in, a good, in, in more of an expansive way and see all the potential possibilities. So we do the same with human beings. When I look at another human being and I see them as a narrow, I just sum them up. I see them who they, I see who you are and I assume that I know who you are and I just make a snap judgment on you. Then I've seen you in a narrow way. I haven't appreciated all of who you could be. So I said, so what's the power of eye and horror? What's the power of that? So he says, eye and horror only works on you if you buy into their perception of you. Someone else's perception of you only takes power if you give your power away and accept their perception of you, which is unbelievable because it's all up to us. If I am not internally self-defined and I rely on you for my approval and you look at me narrowly and then I see myself in your eyes and the way you're looking at me, I'm going to feel this big. And then I've made myself small and your perception of me has affected me. But I let you do it. It's a beautiful idea, right? Sometimes you don't even know. I was told it's caused by jealousy, like people jealous that you, but jealousy you is, have. Yes, but jealousy so is narrow. you don't know who's looking at you and who wants the, Correct. Things, the things you have. So how would you, like, what do you have to do So with what's it? the antidote? Good, great question. Excellent question. I have question. no idea. I post things on Facebook. People see I'm here in New York. Like, so what? Like, what? So? They look up. I don't know who's jealous at me or like, correct. I'm just giving you an example. Yes, I don't know. I correct. No so the jealousy only can take effect on you if... You allow it. But I don't know who's... Like, no, but you know if you allow it. You know that if you care if someone else is jealous of you or you know that you, if you care what other people think. If I get to the point where the only thing that matters is I check in with myself internally and I ask myself, am I being authentic? 
Am I being integ Do I have integrity with myself? Am I being the highest version of myself I can be in this moment? Am I doing what I think God wants from me? And I'm being, I'm being as, uh, doing the right thing? They're the only questions you need to check off internally. And the rest of that you don't need to ask. Meaning the rest of whatever people think is doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't concern me. But of course, we fall into that trap of always allowing other people to define us. That's the challenge, right? So the challenge is always to check yourself. Am I being authentic to myself? Am I being real? Am I, being with, am I with integrity? Am I doing what I know to be right in this moment as much as I know? Right? That's it. Am I doing what's right? Or what I think God wants for me in this moment as much as I'm aware and know and can do? That's, that's, that's it. Yeah. So this, Totally off topic this, now. But no, okay. no, but it's my just, fault. No, it's my this, fault. I and Hara, or someone's jealous of you, but only work, only, only works only if you're aware of it. If you're not aware of it and it's coming from the side and you have no idea what's going on there because you are posting everything online, so you don't even know who's. So there's a different that. idea of like not flaunting stuff because that's it arouses an eye and horror. That's for sure. Okay. Meaning not flaunting. If the whole of the Facebook and social media is that exact. I just gave an example. No, it's a very yeah, good example because be like everyone a, relates to this, and this is normal. This it is can like, be a, like a dress you're wearing. Of course, it could be a million things. Know. But it says not to be too too flaunty of everything to uh, arouse that, but at the same time, real eye and horror can't affect you in such a seriously negative way yourself but, if but you don't allow. Can I ask also, people who are empathetic? Empathetic, empathetic yeah. Or big empaths. Yes, They yes. could sense what the other person is sure. feeling, and sure. they let it affect them. So correct. It's a it, it's a harder challenge for an empath. Okay. So that's a harder challenge because an empath has to cut off, be able to cut off from the world and come back to themselves and put a bubble around themselves to protect themselves. Mm. They have to learn that. That's their muscle. That's their, that's their avoda, their, their spiritual work that they have to do. And they have a harder job, but it's all taken into account, right? God knows where we're all standing and what our struggles are. And something that's hard for you, for someone else who's not an empath, so gratitude, sensitivity, understanding, it's very hard for them, but for you it's not hard. If, mm. if that's you, I don't know if it's right. you, whoever. It's an empath. If it's an empath, it's not hard, right? that's natural to an empath so they don't have to work on that okay yeah, so like everyone has their strengths and weaknesses mm -hmm. yeah so the definition of an eye and horror is jealousy no yeah. an eye and horror means a, like an evil eye a negative eye right. so one of the one of the three things that blocks gratitude i'm going backwards now was mm -hmm. the third one i was going to mention was that we always choose to see the negative right from right. our side of things now we're flipping the other way that i'm on the mm -hmm. on the other side right so one of the three blocks to gratitude is that i we, we, we choose to see the negative right we choose to see the negative Right. Then that's that. Then that's a fixing of this. Right. If you're aware of jealousy, like I know there's some people, whatever, and like I had to cut out a lot of people out of my life last year. You know. And yeah. We talked about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm just aware. I think I'm just aware of it now, and I wasn't aware of it before, so I didn't know what it was doing to me, and now I kind of just ignore it. And like, Amazing. and I know someone is giving me. That's exactly what we're discussing. Right. I'm saying that I know someone's giving exactly me. This. I know if someone's giving me the evil eye, and they're not gonna understand why. Like why, they can't. They can't get right. It's like, it's like if I know someone's. It okay, just bounces off. Right. It just bounces right. off, and then it will eventually like. Hit do you want? Back. Do you want to really play with them? No, I'm just saying like. No, I'm. I'm gonna give you no, some yeah, tips. Like someone was like, "Oh, you're this. You're this. You're this." I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm this. No, I'm not." And I was just like. Oh, you're just pointing the finger at me because that's what you are. Possibly. Just, whatever. Right, know, you know the Talmud, like, the famous, but we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we, we are. are. Right. Yeah. But the way you really mess with people like that is then you go and do a kindness for them. 
in the middle of their jealousy. Oh, yes. In the middle of their anger, their resentment, their jealousy, you go into a real kindness for them and it totally destroys the whole thing. Like, it, it, it can't, it literally, it's like light and darkness can't coexist. Yeah. So when someone's being dark and negative to you and you offer them kindness, it literally dissolves. It's like a disease, jealousy. It is. It is. It is. It's a, it's a disease because the essence of jealousy is I don't accept who I am. Right. The essence of jealousy is I have no value for my own life and so much so that I want to crawl out of the position in my own life and be you. Or, be what, or have what you have and be what you have because what I have is not enough and I'm not enough. And so the essence of jealousy is such a deep dissatisfaction with who you are that people are miserable. You can never be happy when you're jealous. Never. Right? Especially now tonight. Like, Especially because all the social media yeah. just no, inflames no, it. It's right? Like you're jealous of this person. You don't know what they're going through. It's you have no thing. idea. Every time I see something and I start even noticing that I'm judging myself, nope. I, I see this much of the picture ever. You never, ever, ever see the whole picture ever. So you think you do, but that's what is that? It's a narrow eye. It's a narrow eye. I'm only seeing a sliver of the picture, a narrow piece of the puzzle, and then I think I have the whole piece, and now I feel terrible in, in the face of that, right? The Yetzirah goes, goes into action. Okay. Um, the essence of a Jew... Oh, wait, let's, let's go back. If I recognize the good, and I see that I'm being appreciative of the good, that there is good in the world, and that I actually can appreciate that there's good in the world, and then I actually start to realize that I'm actually a receiver of good, of a lot of good in this, in this life. What do I feel next? Happy. Happy, and then what? Keep going. Warm. Warm. Satisfied. Satisfied. And I keep receiving yes. good and good and good and good and good. And what, what's the urge, and what's my response? What do I feel like doing? Good. Feel good and then, huh? To do good. To do good. Do good. Yes, I feel, I mean, when I've received so much good, it moves me to want to do that good, right? And before that, what Chloe said before? Oh, no, I was just... Thankful. Thankful. I was just telling you. Yeah, I was just saying before. You should share it. Okay. If you want. No, I was saying, like, I was raising, I'm raising money. Well, I already raised my, my goal for High Life Line, running the marathon next Amazing. month. Amazing, wow. Thanks, so I was Lots just like, thanks for you because she donated to me. So, what's it called? Ma, ma, Mazner? What, what's the word? The Hebrew word called? Are you supposed to... Oh my sir, my sir, yeah. So I was just telling her, I'm like, oh my gosh, like everyone's been doing to me that I actually did my own too. Amazing. So I was just like saying, like, yeah. does everyone know what my sir is? No. Meiser is a, a Jewish uh, mitzvah, halacha, meiser, which is where you give 10% of your any Mas, income yeah. that you own. Yeah. 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 How's the, what's the proper way, Israelis? What's the proper way you say it? I'm really meiser. Meiser. Is that right? Meiser. Okay. Um, <laughs> No, is that right? Yeah. Right. You give 10%. There's a Jewish law that you give 10% of any income you own away to charity, of whatever income. And again, the idea is it's not, it's, it, it puts the idea that it's not just my money, it's also God's money. It was given to me as a gift. I recognize the good and then I give away 10% to charity, right? So everyone, usually, no matter, as long as you can afford to live yourself, you give away 10%, whatever that is, right? Before tax. Um, okay. So, um, so beautiful. A beautiful, a beautiful idea. So the, so I, I feel moved. I feel full. I feel happy. I feel, um, I feel moved to do good, and I feel moved to thank. Right, be thankful. So I, I have a moved to be thankful and acknowledge that like I, I received this good. Yeah. So the word for thank in Hebrew is, toda, right, which comes from the root, toda, right. The word for a Jew is, yehudi, same root. Yehudi, Yehudi, Hoda'a, Toda, right? Same, same root. So the essence of who we are as Jews, the essence is this. This is your essence. 
to think, right? To think. Now, the question is why, right? The first thing we do when we open our eyes in the morning, if you're saying you're following along in the, in the, in the, the customs of Judaism, is to say what? As soon as you open your eyes in bed? Mode ani. Not even ani mode. Mode ani, right? Not I thank, thank I, right? Meaning the, the focus is on the thank. Mode ani, right? It's not about me. God forbid I, I wake up and take a selfie. Right? <laughs> right? I'm sure some people do. Um, but, but, you know, like it's, it's about waking up and my focus, my real focus should be really on thanking. That I'm, I'm, oh my gosh, I became aware that I'm conscious and I'm alive still and I have a brand new day in front of me. Right? But that's, there's, a, there's a sense that thankfulness is the first thing we should feel when we open our eyes. Right? It's a good reality check to see whether you do, you, how much, how far away from that are you in the mornings. Right? I know for me, I'm like, oh no, snooze. Right? As it versus or just roll over and, and pretend you didn't wake up. So the essence of this is to thank. And the essence of this is to thanking also. Lahodot also means to admit. What are you admitting to? What do you have to admit to? Yourself. That what? You're alive. No, lo- like... Yeah. Huh? When you're, being, when you're being grateful? Yeah. Oh. The word for oh, that is- to thank, like mode or toda, also means to admit. Yes? Oh. Yeah. So what are you admitting? And we don't like that word as much as we do think. Admit? Like- admit what? Like I have to like confess on something? What does that mean? I think you're admitting that the gifts are coming from God and they're not coming from you. So Correct. thankful because you're admitting that like you're not in control of the gifts that you have. And that they're not from me. That there is something higher coming. Coming. I'm, I'm a receiver of, of the good. Somehow I'm a receiver. I have to admit that there's a source that's giving me something, right? And that source can be a person that the source sends to you, right? You thank, thank another person. But I, I'm admitting that I'm, I received something and I was vulnerable or in need and I received something and it helped me and it gave me something. And I, without that thing, like we said at the back before, Shane, like without that thing, I wouldn't have had it. Like I, don't, I didn't, wasn't owed it, right? So I'm now thankful and I'm indebted. The more you recognize the good and the more you realize I have to admit that I'm not in charge and there's something else that's giving me, giving me good in, in my life and I, and I allow myself to feel that, the next feeling is a sense of indebtedness. I feel indebted to do something with this, to do good. Lisa jumped straight to that answer, right? To do good. I want to do good just like there is a doer of good to me. So it makes you want to emulate that godliness, that righteousness of being like, in a way, godly, right? To come from our godly soul, from our higher soul, from our, our more elevated sense of self rather than the lower self, the animal self that's just selfish and me-focused and narcissistic, right? We have both, both going on at once. So when I thank, it humbles me. When I thank, I have to admit. And I have to admit that there's a source of the good. And when I admit there's a source of the good, that becomes the source of connection. And that's the purpose of the Jew. The purpose of the Jew is to connect always to the spiritual, to elevate the physical into the spiritual. But I can't do that if I don't recognize what's actually going on. So the essence of a Jew is to connect. We're connectors. And interestingly, if you look at the source sheet, did anyone get one of those? They're in the center there. Do you mind just passing them out? Actually, can I have one? Thanks. I don't, I'll probably give now. I just want to read a quick source because it's always good to look inside. That this is just in Voracious. 
Genesis. I'm going to read in English and I'm going to get... Um, is there one left? Yeah. Hadai, I'm going to ask you to read the Hebrew. Can I? Number five? Just, not, just Genesis 2 verse 5. Okay, so in English, when no shrub of the field was yet, this is when God's creating the world, when no shrub of the field was yet on the earth, there was no vegetation or trees, no grass of the field, nothing had sprouted because God had not sent rain upon the earth and there was no man to till the soil, right, to work the grounds, right? That's, that's, the, that's the verse in Genesis. Going down to that same verse, but in Rashi, there's a question here. Like Rashi says, what do you mean? Because God had not caused it to rain. Why did God not cause it to rain? Right? And he says, because there was no man to work the ground. So there was therefore no one to recognize, appreciate the utility of rain, meaning the benefit of rain. There was no person on the whole planet to recognize the appreciation of what rain is. So God did not bring the rain. It's a very powerful, Kabbalistic, deep idea here. That there, in order for there to be good, God waited for someone to appreciate the good. That didn't even mean thank yet. It wasn't about waiting because God needed to be thanked. It was about someone needed to be there to appreciate the good. Without that, there, wasn't point, there was no point bringing it. And it's interesting that when Adam came and was created, he realized it was necessary for the world for rain, so he prayed for it. He appreciated it. He prayed for it, and it, then it fell so the trees came forth. The Maharal, more spiritual Kabbalistic commentary, says on this same verse, the question is, so why not bring rain anyway, even there was no one to appreciate it, right? And it's a very deep idea, meaning the answer is because it's forbidden to do a kindness for a person who does not recognize the good in it. Therefore, as long as there was no man, no rain fell. It's not worth giving a gift or favor to someone who does not even have the ability to appreciate what you are doing. Which is very, I had a problem with this, right? I had a problem with this. I have a big problem with this. So most of us would have assumed the opposite from Maharal. We would have said, what do you mean? Our natural instinct would say, do the favor anyway. What's the, how could you be so mean? You're waiting for someone to appreciate it? It doesn't make sense. It's a very deep idea here that when someone can't appreciate what's being done for them, it doesn't help them. I'm not talking about infants or people who are not, they don't have the capacity. Of course, that's a different story. There's an average person, like a spoiled kid. You keep giving them a free car and cash and like more and more stuff and they keep just squandering it. They don't, they don't, to keep giving them more and more and good, you're enabling them, right? Enabling them to stay broken and stuck. There's no appreciation of what you're doing for them. It doesn't help to keep giving. There's no vessel for them to receive from you. So you can only give when there's some sort of vessel and receiver. Now we're getting into more deep Kabbalistic ideas about being a giver and a receiver and how the connection and the, and the flow happens in the universe. So I'll give you an example. So then, so, and man being created was the first time that flow was happening, right? So let's look at that flow. I think we've mentioned it here before, the flow of the masculine to the feminine to the giver to the receiver and how the flow happens in the world, right? The sun is the masculine, the moon is the feminine. The sun gives light to the moon, the moon receives the light and reflects it back. So the sun and the moon are in a, in a circuit of oneness of giving and flow, right, with both recognizing the good of the other. Without, without the other one, it, it does, there's no point. The sun can't act, act in, the, in its full purpose and the moon can't act in its full purpose. No one's better, or, better than or less than. Right? It's not about better or worse. It's about coexisting in mutual harmony as a flow and as a connection. Rain 
is masculine. Mother Earth is feminine. Rain gives to Mother Earth. Mother Earth receives the rain and sprouts vegetation, which is what happened in this, in this verse. The rain is the masculine. The, the Mother Earth, obviously, is the feminine. Is either one better or worse? No. Is it even about gender? No. Right? But there's a flow here of a masculine emanation and a feminine receiving and doing something with it. Receiving is an active, an act, an active function, reception. I receive and then I create with that. Yeah, that's what happened. Rain, Mother Earth. Man gives to woman. Woman receives in the womb and bears a child. So we see that masculine feminine flow. So too here, there's a flow from God to us and we receive the good. And the more we receive the good, the more we feel indebted, the more we want to step up and the more we want to emulate that good and truly receive the good that he gave us by being like him. Meaning by emulating that saying, we want to be, this, but be similar. So this flow of giver or receiver without the appreciation of gratitude, of, of appreciating the good and what I've been given, there is no giving receiving, right? There is no giving receiving. If you cannot appreciate anything about what's being given, there is no connection. It destroys the whole thing. I have to appreciate what I've been given. And we're so resistant. We're so resistant to receiving. We don't like it. Women specifically, no, I'm independent. I don't need anyone. I can do it myself. I don't need help. Like it's a weakness. Like there's this feeling that it's a weakness. There's something wrong with me. I should be able to do it myself. All that head noise, right? Just in New York. New York's terrible, right? It's, it's like on steroids with this. It really is, right? So receiving is, a, is, 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 a, is an act of connection. And one of the things that block this is what uh, I think Shana said before and a sense of entitlement. What do you mean? I'm owed it anyway. Everything's coming to me. Yeah, I don't need to be grateful. If you didn't give it to me, someone else will give it to me. Like, I want things my way, the way I want it. Do you ever see that, um, was it CJ, was it uh, Lewis, what's his name? No, not CJ Lewis. Um, CK. CK, what's his name? Lewis CK. Lewis CK. CJ Lewis, CK Lewis. Yeah. Lewis CK, Every, everything's amazing, but nobody's happy. Did you ever see that? Yeah. It was hysterical. He, he gave this whole thing about basically what we all do, that everything, like it was, it was about Wi-Fi being found on this, in the school. Wi-Fi first came out on the airlines and people were like so excited and then they, and like, oh, it's not working. And like he was, does this whole skit about how annoyed people got within five seconds that it wasn't working when you just knew about it two seconds ago and then now it's not working. It's going to like, it's going to space and back, but you like give it a minute, you know, like what are you doing? I mean, everything is just like this sense of entitlement that whatever is happening, it needs to happen right and perfectly and exactly the way I want it. Otherwise I'm upset. Otherwise I'm dissatisfied. Right, because it's coming to me. I've got this sense coming to me, this entitlement. So entitlement is the enemy of gratitude, right? Rather than I'm owed nothing. I am owed nothing. There is nothing that I, I'm meant to get. Unfortunately, this generation is, is really, really, really bad at this. And we don't like to feel vulnerable. There's a narcissistic epidemic and um, it's only growing. You know, they even took narcissistic, narcissistic personality disorder, the same, the criteria that's in the DSM, they took it out of the DSM in the same way because too many people would have been diagnosed with it. They re rearranged it and they adapted it and they increased the criteria because too many people were, were reflecting these qualities of obsessiveness with self. So we're, we're really fighting an uphill battle. Um, 
Okay. The last one that blocks gratitude, these are blocks, right? Just in case you were confused, is that we get, we, we get desensitized to the good. So what tends to happen is people focus, they assume they're entitled to a great life, everything happening our way, and then all these good things are happening all day long, but I don't even notice it because that's just what should happen, right? Like my day should go well. And then when something bad happens, I choose to zero in on it and blow it out of proportion. Like, I can't believe that happened. How could that happen? I was having a good day and everything was going fine. And then I can't believe the train was late. I missed my bus. I went, oh my gosh, the bus splashed me with the rain. Like, whatever it was. Like, and I zone in. I get so upset about that thing. I've ignored all the good that's happened to me because I'm entitled to have it anyway. And then forget it. Forget it. You're out. You're gone. Right? You're in the la-la land. You're in another place. But that we do that all day. We do that a lot. Right? That's what we do. We live like this. So what is the antidote? You said there are four blocks? No, three. I mean, I'm sure there's many more. These are the three I, I highlighted as really, really key. The, the key here is to notice every little good thing you're doing. Spend one or two minutes a day focusing on everything, a few things that were good for you that happened to you that day or a few things that you received that day, a few things that went well that day that you weren't owed. You're not owed anything when you wake up. We just take our body for granted all the time and how it functions. We have no clue how it functions, but it just works, right? We don't realize the gift, but if God forbid we lost one of our senses, how much money would you pay to get that back? Millions of dollars, right? You, it's, it's priceless. So what I thought we'd do just now is spend, take 30 seconds and I want you to pair up so pick a partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys? And there's one next to you. Got a partner? And I want, pick who's going first. Okay. So I want you to talk. I'm going to time you for 40 seconds about all the good things about having eyes. Okay? About... All the good things about having eyes, like having, how good it is to have a set of eyes and all the amazing things about having eyes. Okay, ready? One of you is doing eyes. Go. Go.